guys, hello and welcome back to Mommy Jojo Uncut Mojo Injection, episode 35. Thank you for your patience, we've had a wee break. Lovely to know that you've been missing the podcast, I've been missing it too. I love the discussions we get to have and I'm delighted with the discussion that is on this podcast with Rachel from Part-Time Working Mummy, an absolute legend, very inspiring. She has impacted the life of thousands of people. And this has been, oh, it's just such a lovely, refreshing discussion. She also loves Mark Owen as well, which uh, a lady of great taste. I'm delighted that this episode is supported by my friends at Wagamama. You guys know I'm a huge fan of the work they do. It's where we launch the podcast. It's where we go as a family. We have the mindful colouring. We love the food. We love the whole ethos of what they're doing and the work that they're doing with Mind. Um, things like soulful suppers to look out for and awareness that they're raising there in the restaurants and using the position to really do good with mental health. So an absolute honour to be doing more with Wagamama. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this next set of podcasts. It's just amazing to have your support, amazing to get your feedback. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank you all for hitting the ratings, for tuning in time and time again and sending me messages of support. Let's do this, guys. So a lot of you really enjoyed the episode one with Hubs. He's still hanging around, doing each other's heads in some days and getting on all right some days too. Uh, and a lot of you approached him at Wagamama who sponsored the podcast launch. And, um, you know, you were saying he had a really sexy accent. Do you think you've got a sexy accent? I've always been told I've got a very sexy accent. You're totally putting that on. <laughs> um, that's far too low for one. Um, what What would you say? You know, I wrote oh, normally write an article over Christmas, how to not kill your partner. How do How did we not kill each other over Christmas? Because we did get close. Just avoid each other. That's so not true. <laughs> He's so cheeky. I got him a lazy spa for his birthday and I actually think that was really good for us, even though he complained about the maintenance. Um, you, we did chill out in there didn't we no drinking's been good non-drinking drinking not drinking's been good because I think when you drink and then the next day you feel like cack and then you're probably more likely to just snap because you just you, you don't have the same patience as you normally do mm-hmm. so I've not had anything to drink since the 31st maybe that's why we've December. had a bit less rows this month mm-hmm. um, you've not drunk as much I've not drank as much and I've, I've not drank at all it does, it does have, it's a trigger, I guess, for mm. us. Um, another thing is just compromise. Like last night we were meant to sit and write a list of things we really wanted to do in terms of home improvements and we've got different things. Scott wants his shed, I want to get the fire locked down um, and, and different things. But we all, you know, we met other couples yesterday and we all go through this and we were saying, let's write a list and try and prioritise. But sometimes it can be really hard to do that. Yes, it can, darling. It's very difficult to find the time to do the stuff like that, so we ended up just watching Luther going to bed. Yeah, we didn't actually have that discussion because by the time the kids went to bed, we were so tired. Um, but well, I say to difficult. people, it's hard, right? Let's not be martyrs, but um, it's hard. But what a lot of people said on the podcast I was doing last year, you know, we had Debbie, the divorce lawyer, we had Ruth, the counsellor, and, you know, we were talking a lot, this, these themes that we need to talk, we need to share more, um, and it does really help us. And also just awareness, things like this, that you know that all couples have these issues. Totally agree, darling. I got issues, you got them too. Yep. 
Anyway, I'm going to let Scott crack on with the housework and I'm going to do a little bit of editing. He's oh, absolutely ganting. Um, yes, I will help. I'll put my clothes away. Um, so that's Hubs just saying hi. Now, let's get the absolute queen. Queen on. On. Hello, hello. Oh yeah, there we go. We've got our sound. Right, guys, I think we'll get cracking because I was just talking about my uh, joy of timekeeping. I don't want to get my knuckles slapped. So it's amazing to have you here. Thank you so much. I've got a legend sat next to me. <laughs> so we have Rachel here. I know a lot of you will probably know who she is. If you don't have this book, She'll be signing it after this. You need to get a copy. I was lying in the bath like... <gasps> <laughs> so, uh, welcome. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's great. It's really good to have you here. And um, so much I want to ask. So we'll have a bit of chat. It'll be really relaxed. And then you'll get a chance to ask questions. So please feel free to... Don't be shy. No shyness here. Um, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I know what it's like to, to have to bear your soul in a bit, well not to have to, because you obviously had this desire to share and to help others, and from the story at the start about kindness, it really came through, you know, you've got this mum who's in her car and she's like, ah, like parenting on tap, when you're having these meltdown moments and you're thinking, I can't cope, and your message of kindness really hit me, it gave me that kind of warm feeling, yeah. so... Thank you for that. Um, but I thought we would start with it. So, when you actually went viral for the first time, was yeah. that the post where you were you put something about this mum that you'd seen doing the school run? Yeah. So tell us a bit about that. So, um, so at the time when that happened, um, my husband and I were being dragged from family courts, and we were in like the trenches. So, and we decided to come off social media because our ex-partners were just writing horrific stuff, posting awful stuff about us and the kids. So I drove to work on that and I thought like we were going to deactivate our accounts and I thought before I do I'm just going to write to this lady. So where we live we have what's called spotted talkie, I don't know if you guys have, it's basically for men that lose their keys and wallet and you like write like found this and you collect stuff really. So. I wrote in to that, I thought it would be anonymous, and it was just um, a letter to a lady that I'd driven past every day on my way to work for the last 10 years, and what started off with her, she had like five tiny babies, like strapped to her chest and in crowns, and a little puppy, golden retriever, and then like as the 10 years went, she obviously, her older kids had gone on to secondary school, and her other kids were a lot bigger, and the dog was like really dead, dragging it along, and, um, and I just kind of, watched her every morning and she just kind of had a look to like she had her life together really whereas you know I didn't I would get IDs if I went to school because the teachers didn't know me so I was constantly working and um, you know I'd just go out the door in the morning losing the plot with the kids because it was just you know life's just hard and I and I just felt kind of really in awe of her and just thought like I just wanted to be more like her as a mum because she you know her kids were just getting memories whereas mine weren't so I just kind of wrote an open letter to say like thank you for like showing me really what you do as a mum because I'm going to now like reduce my hours a couple of mornings so that I can take my kids to school and and that was it really and I didn't really think anything of it and I didn't even tell Josh that I'd done it and then I went home and um and we deactivated our accounts and that was that and then I got into work the next day and my boss was like who said this thing it was in the newspaper and I was like 
desire to enjoy the school run more or just I think it's just like I think it was just like she didn't know I existed you know yeah. she didn't know she would never know she could have died never knowing that I watched her yeah. for like a decade of my life and I think it's just that almost like reality that so many people are in awe of you and she probably felt like she wasn't that great a mum you know because she came back to me and was like you know my husband has to work every hour to give me the life where I'm at home so we struggle for money and I'm feel guilty that I don't go out and work so we can have a nicer life but so everything I'm looking at her thinking she's amazing she's probably looking at me if she saw me thinking she's going out to work and we just we always feel that we're getting it wrong don't we in society so I think it just kind of sat with people that you know it's just nice to kind of compliment each other and yeah, sort of nice. touch people and yeah. you think oh that's nice and we should compliment more it's so easy to judge people yeah. and our brains are kind of wired and once we kind of try and silence that definitely have yeah. a happier life um, so you've gone on to do amazing things and this book, I mean you shared so much yeah. and I think for a book to really work, the more you share the better it is mm. and you, you spoke very candidly about your childhood and how was that sharing that, you know speaking about, you know, how you felt with your mum and you, you wrote about crying yourself to sleep and I yeah. was just going, oh I just wanted to hug you, like yeah. jump back in those years but and I think I had to be quite brutal with it because for it to touch people, you know, and, and like when I do my tours, I say like, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, I remember the bad parts after my mum left, but for the first four years of my life, it was, you know, she was amazing, and then, you know, Edie is now five, my youngest, and I kind of look at that, and I think she's got this huge paternal and maternal family where her and me and her dad separated, but she's so loved, and she's so busy all the time, and she's, you know, got an amazing social life, um, at five and then you know ultimately I'm still very much the centre of her universe you know she'll go to school and hold a poo in for six hours because God forbid anyone else wipes her bum or you know everything is just mummy 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 and I think you know when I was her age a year younger all I had was my mum I didn't have we'd come from Manchester to Devon I didn't have any my siblings were a lot older so they were at school and I didn't have anyone else so you know to wake up one morning and be told like 
my mum had gone and you know moved up to Lincolnshire and, and I didn't see her again. I don't I don't remember that, but I look at I suppose I grieve through my children and think, how would she cope if you know if this weekend her sister just turned around and said, Mum's never coming back. I don't I don't know how I ever coped because it's horrific, but I think that's kind of how I portrayed it in the book that you know, our, our trauma as children is, is really important to kind of focus on and we need to kind of just do it however we can, really. Yeah. And what would you say to someone that's struggling to forgive a parent or are still holding on to that? Pain? It's hard, because me and my mum don't have a relationship, we don't speak and, you know, and then occasionally she'll ring me and say like, you know, can we just sit down and talk and you can tell me what I did and I think it's, it's hard because if she doesn't know what she did, you know, and I have to sit and explain that to her. It's difficult, but then, you know, she had her reasons and stuff. And, and it's hard because, you know, I am such a full-on mum. All I want is, is a mum, you know? And I'm sure all she wants is to be my mum, but we lived apart for, for you know, 24 years and, and, you know, we didn't know each other. So it's, it's hard, you know, the damage is kind of done. And, and I think I'm just in a place now where like when I go to see my therapist and things are just too much, she just says like, use your home as your bunker, you know, it's your safety net and there's seven of you and that's all that matters, you know, your children and Josh and anyone that comes in and is positive, embrace it, but anyone that isn't, don't, just, just don't do it. So that's kind of how I, how I get through that, you know. Yeah, it's so hard to hold on to the positive sometimes. Yeah. But it's amazing. Can people hear me? My head mic is a little bit... I'm having a Britney moment. <laughs> um, and I mean, in terms of other relationships, and you speak a lot about controlling relationships and, and the story about Tony, and for those of you that have read the book, I mean, it's, it's powerful stuff. What would you say to someone who's, I mean, we've probably all either been in that relationship or we know someone who's in a really controlling relationship. What advice would you give to people? I think supporting somebody that's in an abusive relationship is one of the most frustrating things to, to go through and um, and it's hard, you know, when you can see it so black and white that, you know, your friend's husband or boyfriend is an absolute arsehole and he treats her and the kids, you know, like, like rubbish. It's so easy for us to, to judge that. You know, I did it for 10 years and, and, you know, I can honestly say being in that situation, the, you know, the only thing scarier than staying is leaving. And, um, and it's just about understanding that really and just supporting somebody because they might do it for years and years and they might repeatedly go back to that relationship and it's the whole point of that perpetrator control is isolation so when people get sick of it and walk away there's even less chance of you know that person leaving so it's just about you know just offering constant support really and just being there. Can you think of a friend that nailed it that were like you look back and you think they just were so supportive or, you know, I need yeah, to Yeah, I've got some really good girlfriends that, that, you know, in the 10 years that I was in the relationship, I went into Women's Refuge and, um, and I was really isolated. Josh's sister was my best friend at school and as soon as I got into that relationship, I wasn't allowed to see her, you know, that, that she was a bad influence and, and she had no option really but to walk away to maintain her own safety because she got threatened with a bat one night. So she kind of just walked away and left me. And I remember when I had my first daughter, Betsy, she turned up at the hospital and she waited until, you know, my husband wasn't there and she just came in with a really tiny little 
bouquet and a balloon and just said, like, I know we're not friends, but I'm always at the end of the phone. And it was just that knowing that I knew I wasn't allowed to be her friend because he wouldn't let me, but I knew that, you know, if, if it all did go to shit, which it did, she would be there, and she was. And she gave her fit brother to marry, so that was even better. <laughs> he is very fair, yeah. I mean, I, I like the <laughs> Happily married. Um, I like the thing about Mark Owen because you had like posters yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, and when you idolise these people that you don't know, but I had the posters and you sort of think I'm going to marry Mark Owen or, yeah. or whoever it is you're into. But yeah. I absolutely loved that. It's like a proper rom-com, your story, yeah. about the night in the car. Do you want to tell us? Well, you don't have to go into too much detail, but, I mean, how did you feel? I mean, I mean it's like a proper don't passion. Don't worry, it wasn't like that. <laughs> um, so I've got, so got three daughters by two men. Yay. And um, Edie was very tiny when I split with her dad, and I was really postnatal, and things were just really, really bad for me. And I spent, like, you know, feeding through the night on Facebook, and... Josh and I had known each other for like 20 years. I'd always fancied him, he'd always adored me. And um, we were just like chatting on Facebook, nothing like that at all, because he's, you probably know, he's kind of a bird nerd. Um, but I was like, I got to the point where um, I just was obsessed over him. Like, I would just like, you know, when you looked as if someone's like last active on Messenger, I was like, oh, he was last active four minutes ago. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, I'm breastfeeding a newborn, what am I doing? So, um, so he, uh, so I thought I need to like just go to the doctor and get some um, antidepressants and anxiety tablets and anything else he'll give me and get better um, and like not speak to him and just be normal. So I blocked him on everything and then he got my number off his sister and he messaged me. He was like, why have you blocked me on everything? And I was like, oh. So I should have just been like, oh, Betsy's done it by accident. But instead I thought, oh, wrong with honesty. So I sent him this like really long message and was like, basically, I'm really ill with postnatal depression and I'm just going to go to the doctor at three o'clock and get all these tablets to get my mind better because I think I'm in love with you and I'm definitely not. Aww. So I reckon it will take a month for them to kick in and then I'll unblock you on everything and we can be mates again. <laughs> so then he was like, meet me now. I was like, oh my God. And by this point, like life was just horrific for me. I wasn't brushing my teeth. I was living on tuna baguettes, watching Jeremy Kyle. That was it. Um, so I like went out in my velour, bright pink, juicy couture tracksuit and my brown rubber boots and, um, and I met him in, in this car park and it was just horrific. It's and, so uh, didn't, yeah, I wasn't reading it. And he was, and then I pulled up and I looked in my car and it was like a skip. It was like dirty nappies and just awful. And I was like, oh God, like I need to get in his car, which was, you can imagine Josh, it was like a black ice air freshener and a pot of chewing gum. Uh -huh. um, and then we literally spent like five minutes just going, all right, yeah, all right, yeah, you all right? It's just awful. It was so nervous and his hands were like shaking. Um, and then we got out of the car and went for a walk and it started torrential rain in and I didn't want to ruin my other boots because I love them. So we went to like this bunker and um, and we just stood under it again. All right, yeah, you're all right, all right. And then he like went in to kiss me, which is just awful because I've got braces, but we've just both got awful teeth. So we kind of did a tooth bar and I was like, oh. 
And then he was like, I really love you. So oh. I was like, oh, you're more mental than me. And then I did that and then I did that thing we do as women, don't we, where we just put ourselves down. And I was like, oh, I've just had a C-section and I'm really big and I'm still breastfeeding and I've got three kids by two dads and I'm awful. And he was just like, keep your doctor's appointment, get the tablet. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's where it started really. And he's just kind of looked after me ever since. Yeah. So it's a message of hope. There's a Josh out there yes, for everyone. There you know? There's got to be. But there is for me. There has to be. And, and yeah. they say, you know, we learn when we have these brutal relationships and it makes you really appreciate when you get someone decent yeah. that, that treats you right. Yeah. So, I mean, what was it that attracted you to him? Or was it like just a chemistry you couldn't explain or just... Yeah, I think, yeah, I just, I've always, I've always really liked him, but in fairness to him, when I was, um, you know, going around his house at the age of 17, I was obsessed with Victoria Beckham, but I was in foster care and had no money, so she had, like, those short spikes that she pulled up with, like, Armani jackets, whereas I used sun in, so my hair was bright ginger, and I just had, like, five spikes, and when we look back on pictures, he's like, can you see why I didn't really like you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just, I just did, and then I think it just kind of fell into place, really, so... Nice. Yeah. So you've got your wee patchwork is yeah. the term. I hadn't yeah. really heard of that. No, I, I hadn't, but the publishers went with patchwork and I think it works really well. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So how do you model through life as a patchwork family? What tips do you have? Because you get a lot of people writing to you. Yeah. And you're this sort of kind, caring person that probably wants to respond to them all and help everyone. But you yeah, can't, it's hard. You can't do yeah. Yeah, it is really difficult just the messages are, and people struggle, you know, it's hard to, to work blended families, you know, you're, the reality, you know, if we could all have it, you know, in the way we want, everybody would get on and all your exes would be amicable and kids would just be raised and, you know, we'd all be child focused, but in a real world, that, that's never going to happen, so I get a lot of contact from, you know, women that have got a partner and they've taken their kids on and, you know, his ex-wife's ruining us and, the kids hate me and you know how do you do it because I just want to give up and and it is really tricky you know it's, it's difficult for Josh and I um the only one that sees her her dad is Edie um and he's amazing with her but you know Josh's boys um at the moment don't see their mum and my girls don't see their dad so they're with us solidly and I think in a way it almost makes it easier because we just parent we don't have that outside influence you know and it, and it doesn't make it difficult or there's no animosity but I think what I, what, how I get through it, and, I, and they do try to be mad, you know, there are days where I just think, what am I doing? But ultimately they're kids, and I think once upon a time I was, I was a stepchild that wasn't wanted, and, and that was made really apparent to me, and I just remember, you know, when I was growing up thinking, when I've got kids around me, be it, you know, my nieces and nephews or my friends' kids, or they're just going to feel nothing but loved, because, you know, that really changes a child if they're having, you know, a tough time or, or whatever, so... You know, there are times where, you know, the kids drive me mad, but, it, but it's just about remembering that, I think. And it's not their fault. They didn't ask to be born. They didn't ask for their parents to split up. They didn't ask for step-parents. And, and it's just as difficult as they are. One day they're going to get to an adult and they're going to look back and see it all very much for what it was, and they will. And I think if you do nothing but love them and don't speak badly of the other parent, then that's all they're going to remember. Yeah, so, that's a lot of things. Yeah. And it does, it does take a village to raise a child. So 
one thing can happen at school, and when they're that small, it can impact them. Yeah. So it's not, the pressure's not all on us. We can have a huge impact at the same time. There's some things out of our control, which can, for, for anxiety, it can spiral yeah. a little bit. So it's just reminding ourselves to take a bit of pressure off, yeah. you know, when yeah. you're trying to do it all. Um, and help so many people. And you, so you took Betsy on this morning. She's yes. amazing, just speaking about yeah, online bullying. Yeah, good, yeah. You must have been so proud. What happened with that? So they, um, it's difficult now, and I went and met with Women's Aid a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, like, you know, the apps and the bullying that, that teenagers do, and they were saying to me, like, we're struggling to combat it because the people that are making these apps are the teenagers and they're more savvy with the internet than the people breaking it down. So the minute we shut one down where, you know, it's, it's online bullying, another one is set up. And, and we went on really to campaign. It was, it was something called the letter X, um, where you wrote a letter X and then you just abused that person. It was all anonymous. So you would pick on, you know, height, weight, hair colour. And, and she came in the kitchen and showed me and, like, a lot of the people that were saying this stuff were Betsy's friends, who I loved a bit, and I was just like, this isn't okay, you know, they, social media has got so disgusting, it's to the point where this has become acceptable, that our children are, are, are abusers. So we kind of went on this morning and did um, some campaigning really around that, and, um, and I'm going to do a workshop in, in Bristol with Escape, which is a bullying charity that I'm an ambassador for, so I'm really hot on you know, social media bullying because it's something at the moment that's rife in the UK and it's, you know, it's taking our kids' lives. That's, that's the reality. Yeah, so. yes, that's so brutal. And I yeah. worry already, I mean, Bonnie's, she's six, she's not on yet, um, but she was saying, I've got my YouTube channel and stuff. Yeah. And I'm going, well, just to warn you, if you do still want to do that, there are quite nasty people on there, yeah. but it's nothing to do with you. It's, you know, yeah, so it's yeah. trying to protect her already, but, you but know. But we were just saying, like, how horrific it is when we get, you know, I get loads of hate on my page and, and Josh is, and then I'm like fuming, and then I'm more fuming at the, the person that likes the nasty comment, thinking yeah. like, who are you? And then I'm stalking them, and then I'm like, <laughs> and Josh is like, do you really think Victoria Beckham sits and reads? And I'm like, am I Victoria Beckham? Very much. You know what I mean? I'm eating KFC. So you don't, sure she does too. Yeah, and I, and I can't cope with the, the hate and the nastiness, and, the, and it's so hard for me not to lose my mind and respond. But it's also really hard not to take it personally because some days I just think I'm just going to deactivate the lot. I can't cope with what people think of me. But then, you know, the positive outweighs the negative, and it's just kind of remembering that. Really. It really is. But uh, our brains are wired to focus yeah. on the negative. And like, it, and I don't get it. I don't yeah. get what person would set up a fake account to view. That's what I don't. Why could you be bothered? You know, I did a podcast on this with a counsellor recently and she was saying a lot of bullies don't even realise they have issues they're like mm. trying to avoid, so they just put everything on other people. So it might not just be jealousy, it might be that they've just got issues that they're not willing to deal with or yeah. they're not even aware, so they're just desperate yeah. to cause pain. So as a parent, that's terrifying because at least we're a bit older and we can kind of yeah. rationalise, whereas if you've got a teenager, you're thinking people could be so cruel, how do we protect our future generations from this absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, I think we need to do a lot more, so I think that's exciting if we can start a trend where we're making a lot of noise about it, making it a safer place, yeah. and, and trying, we were speaking you know, this morning when we were chatting with Emma about how we raise girls, and there's that balance between enjoying a bit of makeup and a bit of glam, but knowing it doesn't define us, yeah. and there's so much more to us than mm -hmm. just how we look. I mean, how do you, manage that but I guess it's tricky. 
It's tricky with Betsy because she's very attractive and, um, you know, she's, she's obsessed with how she looks and makeup and, you know, her clothes. But I think that's a teenage thing and it was definitely the same when I was young, not to the extent, you know, I had Heather Shum lipstick and blue eyeliner and thought, oh, look, mutt's nuts. <laughs> Whereas now, you know, she wants like MAC and, you know, morph palettes that cost a fortune. <laughs> um, but it's, um, oh, is that me? Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think they learn from us or their older siblings and, you know, it's just teaching them really that it doesn't really matter how you look, you know, someone, and I think Josh is great for that in our house, you know, like when we got together, I hated my boobs and stayed in a bra for a year, I was like, you're not looking at them, they're grim, and he was like, they've had three kids, they are ridiculous, and now I'm like, I love my boobs. So, um, Good one, Josh. Yeah, so I do. Like, he's really taught me to love myself, and I think I'm, I'm a real advocate of that at home with, with my girls and my boys, you know, just, just to love your body, really, and not obsess over how, you know, things that you don't like. I know, I know, and it's crazy. And we're all as bad, yeah. you know, we are, but it's, it's a real thing for our teenage girls, you know, they're all obsessed with filters and how they look and how many likes they get. So it's about us, you know, just teaching them us. And I think the other thing that I try and get into Betsy, and it will be the same with Lou and Edie, is that what they obsess over now is such a small part of their entire life. So when you're at secondary school, and for us it was the same without social media, it feels like that's forever. It feels like going to school and seeing that boy, and you know, that's all you obsess. And, I, and you know, I say to Betsy like, in 10 years' time, you're going to walk down the street and you're going to look at that girl and be like, I'm sure I went to school with her because you're all going to move on and get careers and go to uni and have babies. And, you know, there's going to be a very small minority of the people now that are eating up your whole life that are going to mean something to you in the future. And you'll be kissing in cars. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Having all this kind of fun. You're still going to have the best kiss of your life, potentially. Yeah. I, I was in a school and that's what I said. They were all laughing. They were 18 fetties. And I was like, you're all about to have the best kiss of your life. And they were like, oh no. <laughs> it's good to have these reminders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, social media is a tricky one. It mm. is tricky, but we can only just keep talking, see what yeah. happens. Um, I'm going to open up to some questions, but I would like to know what your favourite karaoke song is. I always ask people that when I interview them. I'm not going to make you sing. I won't make you, no. <laughs> Maybe later. Yes. Sure, I don't think I've ever done karaoke. Have you not? No. Oh my God. I haven't lived, have I? <laughs> what, what's your, uh, like, Mark Owen, Faith? I'm here again. You, you can go, you can do it. I'm not telling you I'm here again. Is this mic work? Is this is really annoying. Oh, I loved him so much. We could get you doing like Innocent bench. Child, thank you. Oh, yeah, it's much better. Okay. Um, we could get you doing Innocent Child with a paddling pool. Does anyone remember that with Mark Owen? Innocent Child. No, I was not in there. Yeah, I was grown by that point. That was long gone. I've cut the posters up. He's long hair. Yeah, Do you remember no, that? Yeah. Yeah. When he did Babe, I was so in love with him. <gasps> does, does it remind you of Christmas time? 
No, it just reminds me of happiness. Oh, I love that song. Oh, love it. So good. Michael, and I'll maybe get you singing that later. But um, <laughs> I'm sure people have loads of questions. So, would anyone like to kick off? Vanessa? Happy. Um, so, how do you deal with like, screen time and social media with your kids? So, the boy. The boys really aren't into screen time as much as their Xboxes and Fortnite, which has ruined our life. So they're banned on that Monday to Thursday because it literally just changed their personalities. And I was just reading online that everyone, you know, oh God, my, I can't control my son. So Josh and I were just like, let's just have a blanket ban. And, um, and it's just made them a lot nicer, really. We have clubs most nights after school, or one of them does, so I have to drag all of them along. So by the time we kind of get home, do tea and showers, it's... It's later, um, and we take their phones off them when they go to bed because they're really good at lying. And then when we actually look on their phones, they've like been up till they delete everything. But what they don't know is I've logged in on my phone, so then when I have a like look to see, they've been up till like midnight. So, um, so Betsy's probably the worst, isn't she, with her phone? And it's Snapchat. She's just she has to she has to do every, even eating bowl of spaghetti she has to snapchat I'm like do really we're at the dinner table um so i'm not probably fully there yet because i've only got kind of one teenager said so really not that bothered and he can't look after a mobile phone he's on his fourth one this year because he's jumped in swimming pools and smashed them um and the babies are just too you know they're just too little so they don't they don't really bother really so it's not i think probably Tallulah with musically she loves making music videos and she'll just kind of do that but I think our house is so busy that it's not a massive issue because we're just, you know, dance, swim in football, get home tea, and then we haven't really got time. So, yeah. But I know for other people it's a real issue, and like some of my friends' kids like live on. And actually, saying that, I had a bit of a row with um, Edie's dad at Christmas, and we never argued. But he, she came out with an iPhone seven on Christmas Day on contract, and I was like, she's five, oh, and he's like, yeah. I know, and I was just like, oh, wow. And then she was just like, I just need to ring Dad and tell him I'm putting a plaster on my foot. And I was like, no, we don't need to ring Dad. So when he picked her up on Boxing Day, I was like, take that phone. <laughs> so um, so she hasn't brought it home since, because she was just obsessing over it. She's like, five? Like, I'm going to text Nan and contact. So oh. it's really, loads of people kind of, it's difficult, isn't it? Because some people agree with giving their kids phones and and others don't. Seven bets are the only ones that have got them in our house and just think they just grow up so quick anyway. It's like, you know, it's scary. And it's special when you've got friends yeah. that have it. And then how do you mm. stay strong with it? And yeah. I know it's, even my four-year-old, it's like he's on crack. If he's got the screen, he's like, <gasps> yeah. he, just, he gets sucked into yeah. it. That's great if you're trying to do something for half an hour. You're like, three babysitters are perfect. Yeah. Then and I think that's the, that's the, Thing. It's so easy, you know, with us, with, with the boys with Fortnite, they got really obsessed with it, but then they were just morons. We were like, dinner, you have just finished this game! No, dinner, you have just finished, daddy, daddy! And then Josh was losing it, I was losing it, and then it was like, and I just said, why are we letting them, like, sit on it? Because for the bonus it gives us that we get two hours away from them, they're then just vile, so... But so many people haven't got that, like, they moan about it but then they don't take it off them, so yeah. then it just doesn't improve, so... It's that anxiety of, oh, it's going to really kick off. Yeah, yeah, it is. But sometimes you have to go yeah. through that to set boundaries. And well. then they get used to it. Like, now they don't even think about it 
Monday to Thursday, come Friday night, they're literally coming in from school like this, waiting to get there. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> loving it up. I've got a kill, I've got a kill! Oh my god. Yeah, yeah so, bless Any, them. Anyone else? Questions? My child's up here cringing at this time. It's great, you'll remember it though, in 10 years' yeah, time, so. you'll be glad you came. <laughs> Take it off, post it to me. Yeah. I'll send it back on a Friday night. <laughs> Any other questions? Don't be shy. And you can go and chat during the book signing if you, if you want to. You know, do I didn't know we had books today. Uh, yeah, so there's a. Yeah, they're looking after it all, so you get to go on the sign table and, and have a. Yeah, have a chat before which is good. Um, I had a few more questions for you. I mean, to be honest, this book is just, uh, you covered so much. In terms of writing a book, and I, I know what it's like, but when you've got all of these kids in the house, madly in love, making babies. Oh, we're not madly in love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are, but, you know. <laughs> oh, I can tell you. Um, feeling sick, how do you try and look after your own mental health? Because it's not easy. Yeah, I think um, I've definitely struggled lately being pregnant and I was really ill, um, so I'm on really strong medication now for the sickness, which I feel like a different person this week, but like, I've been hard to live with on that day. Yeah, alright. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, where I say like, you've got to love yourself, all I do is walk around going, look at my boobs, look how rank I am. He's like, Oh, if I'd have known you were going to be like this, I never would have done it. <laughs> said. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really, really hard. Um, and I just think, like you say, it takes a village with raising kids. It takes a village to cope as an adult. And I think, you know, I've got a really good support network with friends. And, like, my followers on, on Facebook and Instagram are amazing. You know, if I don't post for a few days, they're all like, oh, you know, you're okay. And... And then sometimes I'm like, no, my mum's this, my dad's this. And they're like, oh, God, I don't even know her. Like, she's, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but, you know, it's just what gets you through, I think. So, yeah. yeah. I have to do, like, my thing is just singing like a lunar in the kitchen. Yeah. Some days I just have to turn the music up. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, and that helps you. It's anything. Yeah, you see, there was a little sketch, and it was like all these people with rage and anger and all these negative emotions then music and it was like they're hugging the music <laughs> it's like free you can just turn on a song and it'll instantly yeah lift your mood a little yeah. bit another thing i think is water like do you have like baths or you know a nice warm bath or something no because our bathroom's gross and it's the only room in the house we need to do and oh the rouse we have over that shower it literally drips out but betsy's friends are incapable of showering at their own homes so they all come around at night and Josh's like, oh, I can hear that shower again. Oh, and then we run out of water. So it's just the bathroom and bath. It would be amazing to go and lie in a bath. But I might do that back at the hotel, actually. We but should enjoy it. No, we shower. don't have a bath. We've got a shower. I'll sit in the shower tray. <laughs> I'm going to be calling, on me. calling for an upgrade. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I don't hate the bath. But I just chill out on the sofa really quite a lot at the moment. Especially being pregnant, like Josh gets in from work, bless him, he's done like a full on day, and then he'll come in, and the minute he's in, I'm just like gone. And, I, and you know, when I can hear him like trying to bath five kids and do five pack lunches and cook tea, and I'm thinking I really want to help, but I just can't even move. 
So, um, but I'm waiting until, like, you know, the second trimester. Everyone says, like, you glow and you love life. So, in my head, he's going to come in and sit down and, like, put his feet up. And I'm going to be like, here's your dinner. But in reality, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's definitely the best trimester, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Out, out of the yeah. But um, hard times. No, I think they just. I think talking about it though, and not just try trying to sort of yeah. battle through, and you're feeling horrendous. Just go look. I'm really struggling today. I need help. Can't go bird watching or whatever. Yeah. Um, I really liked the bit in the book about you were saying because you had this lovely, you know, car scene, and it's all really warm and hope and stuff. But then you were like quite honest, saying, you know, he's got these hobbies that I just don't get, and they have yeah. to compromise. So it was showing people that perfect.
Um, we get, at the moment, through the page, between one to three women roughly each month into refuge or into temporary accommodation away from perpetrators. So that side of the work's difficult, and I can't talk to Josh about it because he's obviously a police officer. So if I'm like, I've got this woman and this has happened, he's like, Rachel, I need to ring it in. So I can't, you know, it's not like a normal husband that I can, I can vent to, really. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard because a lot of the women, you know, are finding a refuge placement and it's all set up to go and the taxi's booked and they don't get in it and they go off radar and I don't hear from them again. And that sits with me because I think people kind of reach out to me because I sit in this niche where I'm not social services or the police and I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional that's going to come and remove children or put them on the at-risk register. So, and I've been there, so it's like, you know, that's ultimately why they're reaching out. But when they, when it doesn't follow through or when that woman becomes a statistic and, you know, ends up, you know, horrific really. So, you know, I'm dealing with that a lot and that, that affects me massively. But I go to um, every therapist every Wednesday that I go and see and just kind of offload. And that really helps me, you know, just, just cope. And I think that's probably the worst thing that I work with. Um, you know, and just going up to, to work with Women's Aid, I do a lot of work with them and hearing their stories of what they're fighting for, you know, in the family courts and, you know, how we're letting women and children down constantly um, and just fighting battles, really. But I think the day I don't get upset or I just fall asleep is the day that I'm not going to make the changes. So it's like you need to, it needs to affect me for me to want to continue like, like the page does, really. And I think that's the thing, when you've got that history there, it gives you that passion. Mm. It's like turning something really awful and positive into a negative into a positive. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. So keep up the great We work. went to, um, when we came to Edinburgh last time, I helped a lady, she had a really unusual name. We got her into refuge in 2016 with her kids. And, um, and then she came up to get her book signed and I said, oh, what name is it? And she told me her name and she said, I'm that lady. And I was just like, <gasps> sobbing and all the cue. And I obviously couldn't say like, this is one of my warriors. And I was like, oh, please wait at the end. And she's like, I can't, so I've got babysitters for the kids. And then I literally just cried the rest of the tour to Josh, like, oh, I can't go. And he was like, oh, great. <laughs> so, you know, we've had some really... And, you know, she would have ended up dead. Her, her perpetrator got a really good custodial sentence of what he did to her and the kids. So, you know, the, the positives of it are just, like, life-changing. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've inspired so many here. And um, as I say, if you've got questions, you can catch Rachel at the shelf, and there's going to be loads of books there. If you've not got her, if you've got a book and you want to bring it up, um, feel free to. I might buy a book. We don't even have a book anymore. I've given them all away. <laughs> I need to buy myself one. <laughs> Treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yours. I'll buy mine as well. <laughs> right. Um, round of applause. What a legend. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I'll be back on here at four, giving out mojo injections with a few people if you want to come. Um, otherwise, enjoy yourself and thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Even Good question. Um, I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not, not holding this, uh, this mic. You're not holding it. Oh, that was awesome. I think we'll sing out to one of Rachel's favourite tunes but just a little health warning guys we were going to watch a family movie and I was like why don't we go old school like Sister Act Hobbs was like oh I'm going to put on My Girl not seen it in years 
oh my days. I freaking bawled my eyes out. Bonnie was like holding me like so tightly. I was trying to hide it and play it cool, which gave me a headache. Such a nice film, but oh, so sad. I think I need to sing it out, guys. And doubt your number. Not sure to put it down or speak. Then a voice I once knew and said in a sweet voice, she said, Hello, then pause before I began to speak. Babe, babe, I'm here again. I tell you, I'm here again. Where have you been? Babe, I'm back again. I tell you, I'm back again. Where have you been? Can't believe Rach hasn't done karaoke as well. We need to sort that out. You held your voice well. There were tears I could tell. Plenty of tears downstairs now. They're watching Ghostbusters now. The time. Just give me a town. And I'll be straight down. I got so much to tell you about where I have been. As I walk down your road, can't wait to be near you. Can't keep this feeling inside. Does this remind you of Christmas? As I stand at your door, you answered in a sweet voice. You say, hello, then pause before I began to speak. Babe, babe, I'm here again. I tell you I'm here again. Babe, where have you been? Where have you, babe? I'm back again, I'm back, I'm back again, babe, where have you been? Oh, this part here is awesome. As I looked away, I saw a face behind you. A little boy stood at your door, boy stood at your door. Then I looked away and I saw his face was shining. He had my eyes, he had my smile. All too much emotion for one day, guys. Have an amazing week. I'll see you back next week or hear you back next week. Loads of love. Mwah.